Left. Right. Hey, what is up? Welcome to this episode. I think you're going to like it if you don't know much about the debt ceiling and you're kind of interested in uh, government. Uh, well, you'll definitely find it interesting in that case. If you're not interested in government, well, hopefully uh, you'll enjoy some of our conversation. Either way, you got an hour ahead of you. You don't have to stick around for the whole thing. I appreciate those of you guys who are watching. Don't forget, subscribe, like, any interaction with the podcast helps us out. And for that, we appreciate you. Thank you, and I'll see you guys on the other end. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. Cheers. All right, that's our intro music. What's up, everyone? This is Sip Talk, episode 138. My name is Justin DeGiulio, out of my basement in New Jersey, joined by James, the Bosnier Boswell philosopher, accountant, referee, and... Uh, Bartender. Bart- oh, yeah. Bar- yeah. See, there's a lot, man. There's a lot to it. And bartender out of Charleston, South Carolina. James, what is happening? Got my bush eyes cracked open. Got a little bit of research on tonight's topic on the other tab. Brilliant. Very nice. Bush eyes. I have a uh, an icy Corona premiere. I think, you know, there's a there is an ad for Corona light a while back and it was in some city I, i'm gonna just say miami but it was in some city and there's like they've got a shot of like a rooftop bar and just a whole bunch of people are partying and then it pans out and then there's another rooftop bar like across the street where everybody else is partying and they coincidentally everyone's drinking corona light and it pans out to show the two parties kind of saluting each other and then it says Corona light, it only gets better. And I thought, what a it's terrible true. but accurate tagline. Because <laughs> if it, you're it drinking Corona light, <laughs> your night can only get better. <laughs> this is bad. This is real bad. At all. Trust me. <laughs> it only gets better. Uh, well, where there are other two products in the lineup. You got the, uh, they have a couple, few products in the lineup, actually. But you get the regular Coronas. Um, and uh, you get the premiere, which is ultimately the ultralight version of Corona. And I like their their marketing because it's called premiere. It doesn't say light on it anywhere. And uh, it's got two and a half car- grams of carbs and 90 calories. But it, they don't promote themselves as being a light beer. So I think that they did a pretty good job with the marketing on that. Now, the Corona mm. light commercial, most people aren't going to pick it up the way that you did. I would probably be thinking the same thing. Well, as you said it, I thought exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I just read it literally. Mm. Uh, just like I'm not reading into it at all. I'm saying it only gets better. All right. Um, so, <laughs> let's have another drink that it will be Corona Light so we can get better. Um, so before we get into the topic, uh, I'll talk about the topic. Tonight, we're going to talk about the debt ceiling, which is... Uh, we're about to hit the debt ceiling. I don't know. Do you know what the date is off the top of your head? No, I don't. All right. Well, we'll, um, we'll get there. We'll get there. Research department. Yeah. Well, we'll get there in a second. The, uh, you know, I, I caught some headlines I was listening to on the radio this morning, and uh, 
I heard in uh, Idaho, uh, someone, a student brought a gun to school in her backpack. So a couple of surprising things. One, it was a girl, which is surprising just because the, they're in a minority of school shooters and she was 13 years old, which is also surprising. I don't know if she had intent to use it. I don't know any of those details, but a 13 year old girl in Idaho brought a gun to school and it was in her backpack. Do you know what the school and the surrounding school districts did as a response to this? Imagine they shut down. No, they banned backpacks. Naturally, that's the problem. I don't, <laughs> I see how that, that can be like a, a very direct solution. Like, oh, it was in a backpack and that's how she got it in here. So we should ban backpacks. Now, I assume that guns were already banned, but someone must have, you know, they snuck the gun in within the backpack. So uh, they, there's just, I, I saw a few. Yeah, videos. in response to school bans guns. That would be better. <laughs> school ban. Uh, well, like, hold on. What do you think of school? And you think of an object that goes along with school. Right. I think of textbook, pens, pencil, uh, some wooden backpack being like your top five. Well, a backpack would, would have to come along with all of those things because school textbooks are super heavy. Yeah. But like, if you think you're going back to school, what are the things you need to buy? Backpack's going to be really high up there on the list. Like you're going to think like pens, paper, backpack. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I just don't know exactly. So there was just a bunch of TikTok videos of kids like carrying their stuff around in like. Weird I guess backers. also gun, like pens, paper, backpack, gun. Need one of those too. God, I I would rather have metal detectors in front of the school than the school ban backpacks. It seems like a really silly solution to. A I don't think metal problem. detectors really make a lot of sense either. Well, no, but if you're going to think of some way to address someone carrying a gun into school. Because think about how much metal stuff you would have in a backpack that has a legit school purpose that's going to be setting off the back well, the, just, the metal it, detectors every single day. It just means they're constantly going through people's bags. But look at a lot more people travel in and out of the airport, you know, in any given hour than travel in and out of the school. It just I, I know there are a lot of schools that have metal detectors at the door, and and I imagine it was probably a hassle, and it was hell for the students and faculty to get used to in the beginning, but they're probably used to it now. But, but again, I'm not saying it's a great solution. I would just think of that before banning backpacks because kids have to carry shit around with them. In the TikTok video, there was kids like pushing around shopping carts and just doing all this, you know, obnoxious teenager shit because that's what, you know, that's what kids do. Uh, but, you know, it really just proved the point about how shitty of a, a rule this was. Yeah, it seems really, really stupid. They're not, a, they're not addressing the actual problem. No, they're just they're creating another one. Well, that that is the uh, inability to carry your stuff around efficiently. Lots of lots of trips to uh, and also your depending room. on what kind of gun you have, you don't need to put it in a backpack. Well, you can a, very easily conceal a gun inside your clothing, or your purse, or your lunchbox, or you know. <laughs> There's a million other places you could put it where it would be equally, if not more, difficult to detect. Yeah, it's just a, a yeah. but that's how large organizations think <laughs> so well it's um, the whole thing like larger you think about zero tolerance policies on things okay. where like so a school like 
two kids get into a fight and the school has a zero tolerance policy on fighting and both kids are suspended or whatever, right? Well, what if one kid started the fight and the other kid was defending themselves? Yeah, exactly. Well, zero tolerance, you can't fight. So if I throw a punch at you and I'm the one who initiated the fight and then you fight back, we're both in the same amount of trouble because we were both fighting. How is that fair? It, but that's it, it, that's zero tolerance. It doesn't make any sense to me. That, that stuff exists all over the place, not sure, just but, in but the schools, problem. The but, problem when you don't the problem when you don't have a zero tolerance rule like that, then it's a judgment call every time. And then you can say it may be racist or it may be sexist or it may be, you know, ageist, you know, for what I okay. like older, older but kids. What would you rather fight. have? People have the ability to take context into consideration and make a judgment based on what the facts are with the the risks that you just delineated. Sure, those exist. But would you rather have a system where the possibility of a fair outcome exists, whereas with zero tolerance, people can intuitively understand that zero tolerance is unfair? Yes, uh, I, but it's a, it, just like many issues, a super complicated issue because it's not, it'll be less of an issue for me, uh, you know, a 16 year old white kid in, in 10th grade, but you know, a 16 year old black kid or Hispanic kid in the same grade, same profile, otherwise outside of skin color, there's a fight, chances are they're getting in more trouble than I am. And you can also have zero tolerance that still leads to discriminatory outcomes. Sure, sure. It, but but uh, I would like to live in a world where a judgment call, and this is kind of where I feel like the world's going the wrong direction, is we're just kind of making all these bullshit rules because discrimination and things like that, they, they just don't really work out in application. But I would rather live in a world where judgment calls are made on a per incident basis. The problem is, you know, that doesn't work every time. And yeah, but zero tolerance doesn't work every time either. And every time it's applied, it feels arbitrary and, and capricious. Whereas, like, there will be times where judgment calls, like, you'll have a set the majority, of standards. The majority, the majority of, of the time, it'll be fine. Judge, judgment calls going to be fine. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the times when judgment calls are made and it's wrong, then that's where you have avenues for appeal or review. And you can say, hey, this isn't fair. Somebody else should look at it. And that won't eliminate all the problems, but it'll help because you could have a review panel that's just as biased as the person making the initial decision. But it reduces the risk. All right. Let's uh, let's pivot from backpacks because we got We got to talk about this debt ceiling because that's that's what we're here to talk about. Well, that's what you're there to talk about. And I'm well, here to talk about. we can actually I want to start by talking like tying this together with like zero tolerance or whatever. So s certain people in the political sphere have a zero tolerance for running deficits. They think that the government should never run a deficit and that like, or, and that also taxes should never be raised. And anytime you have such a rule, like where you have zero tolerance for whatever it is you're against, it puts you into a position where you're inflexible with no need, with no need to be inflexible. Yes. And that's, like that's, George H.W. Bush, read my lips, no new taxes. And him saying that got him elected. And then 
he had to actually govern and they had to implement some things that looked an awful lot like taxes. And that came to bite him in the ass when he tried to get reelected in 1992 because people pointed to and said, Hey, you said no new taxes, but what about this and this? What about these new taxes? Yeah. Yeah. So by, by giving himself a zero tolerance policy, he gave him something to be held against where, you know, but that's, yeah, and that's the problem with making grandiose statements that are just kind of black and white. Like I, I you know, in running an office, I change my mind often, or uh, you know, even in relationships or friendships, I change my mind. And and you know, what the typically I typically hear back is, but you but you said this already, and what I tell people is I said that prior to now, and after I said it between then and now i've learned more information so with the new information that's what's prompted me to change my mind so if you want it the way before then we have to discount all the new information which doesn't make any logical sense at all but also as a salesperson i'm pretty well trained in not speaking definitively so when you're speaking you kind of give yourself i didn't say as a salesperson i'm perfect at speaking indefinitively. I said, I'm pretty well trained, which gives me the out for when I fuck up and somebody calls me out on it. I can say, well, I didn't say I was, I was perfect at it. You, you, are you catching my gist or am I not doing a great job explaining that? Um, I, I would reference like three sentences prior. <laughs> fuck. All right. Um, so do you want to explain the debt ceiling or, or should I give it, give it a crack? Well, basically, so the date that I saw is October 18th is when we get time time, man. Yeah, I know. Let's deal with this on October 17th or maybe October 18th before it actually hits like whatever time of day it matters. So, so, Um, dang it. So, so my, my, my credit card bill is due October 18th. Okay. Okay. So here, if we, we analogize this to a credit card, imagine this is like your spending limit on your credit card, right? Mm-hmm. So let's you call know, it a joint. Let's call it a joint account. Whatever the case is, it's a credit card and it has a spending limit. All right. Okay. And right now, your credit card. Let's say your spending limit's ten thousand, and your balance is at nine thousand nine hundred and ninety. And you know, between now and the end of the month, you're gonna have a couple recurring bills happen like your cell phone bill right mm-hmm. let's say and you know that 100 100 bucks okay let's say it's 100 bucks or whatever 110 bucks whatever the case is you know that between now and in the end of the month you're going to have some bills hit your credit card that you've already agreed to pay you already signed the contract with the cell phone company whatever you can't get out of it mm-hmm. and so you don't have the money to pay down the credit card balance right now. That's why you're carrying a, a balance on the credit card to begin with. And so you have one of two choices. You can either call the credit card company and say, hey, my credit limit's 10000 Can you raise me to 12000 Or you can have those charges hit and, become de- and get declined, which means that you might not have your cell phone anymore or whatever other services that you need that are going to automatically recur in the next three weeks before your next statement comes, right? 
Mm -hmm. That's almost exactly what's going on with the debt ceiling right now is the, the fight over the debt ceiling is not about whether or not we're going to do more spending and spend more money or anything. The debt ceiling is our credit cards maxed out and we've got all these bills that we said we were going to pay from various legislation that was passed prior to today. So all the normal things government does, plus all the things that they've added since coronavirus and everything else, all that stuff costs money. And they've run the numbers and said that we know that the bills that we're going to have between now and October 18th are going to push us from where we are right now to our spending limit. So it's not about saying we're going to spend more money. It's we know that we're going to be spending more money because we already said we were going to. And we need to raise the limit on our credit card to be able to afford it. Otherwise, we won't be able to have the services that we need. If you remember back in like two years ago when the government was shut down for like six weeks and like the TSA was shut down from like full operations to maybe like 25% and like super long lines at the airports and all the national parks were closed and like a whole bunch of government was shut down and inconvenienced a ton of people. Um, and all the while, like the essential government functions, so like stuff like the postal service, the military, uh, military police, and the TSA for whatever they could scrap together, all those people were working. They were eventually paid. It's not like well, they, they just worked paid. for free. They weren't paid in that. Yeah, they weren't paid at their regular weekly or biweekly paycheck, though. Right, because the credit card was maxed out, so they <laughs> had to wait for the they had to wait for the credit card limit to be higher, so that way that the government could run the charges on the credit card to pay the people <clears> who were doing the things. So this isn't a fight about whether government should be spending money or what it should be spending on. It's we've already agreed to spend this money. We don't have that money right now, so we need to increase our limit. Well, yes, but the government is almost always in our lifetime running at a deficit. So, so which yeah. means that's basically a recipe for us regularly raising that debt limit. Well, yeah, and that, that, that certainly happened. And I'm looking at a graph right now. Uh, an important figure is because like when you see right now, the, the national debt is about $28 trillion dollars which is a big, scary number. Um, but if you look at where the national debt is right now as a percentage of GDP, so how much does this country produce every single year, mm -hmm. you see that we're actually at about the same level that we were in World War II. There was a big spike in World War II. That's because spending went way up. Yeah, to pay for the war. Mm -hmm. And then after the war, it dropped considerably like we paid off a lot of debt after world war ii and then it kind of stayed pretty stable like in the late 80s it got up a little bit more then it got paid down around 2000 and then since 2008 or so it's really gone up a lot and right now we're at about the same level that we were at the peak of world war ii so ratio, it's not like we're in new territory the where ratio we, is about the same the numbers yes. are considerably higher well yeah because of inflation yeah exactly um but it's really stupid to be having this fight because we already agreed to pay these bills we just need to give ourselves the authority to actually pay them yes which is interesting in the u.s how those two things happen at different times 
Congress meets to propose a budget, and that's what we're going to be spending money on. And then the president has to pass that. And that does not take any I'm sure, I'm sure some consideration is taken, but it's not voted at the same time as the debt ceiling is. The debt ceiling is. No, just- no, those are they're two different things. But I think the analogy of a credit card makes the most sense where you, you bought the, the cell phone and you bought the cell phone plan and you know that it's going to cost you 100 bucks a month. And but I've, but I've created a budget plan for myself. And while I earn $10,000 a month and, my, and I put every expense on my credit card, my monthly expenditures, I've decided to budget and they will exceed $10,000 a month. Yeah. And the reason why the government can do that and you can't is that the government's the one who prints the money. Well, they also, sure, but they also sell bonds and that's how they, so they're not really increasing the limit allowed to them by calling their credit card company. <laughs> you know, Well, they are the credit card company. <clears throat> exactly. They are the so, credit card company and they're affording these extra expenses and expenditures by selling bonds. So really right, but the thing is, if they it, need to pay those bonds back, like they, they could, if the government wanted to, they wouldn't do this because it would be a bad decision in terms of inflation and everything else. But if the government needed to pay off, let's say, all right, so $28 trillion is what we owe right now. In theory, the government could pay 100% of that back tomorrow. Why, why is that in theory? Because I, I don't see... Well, in theory, meaning they would print the money and make it happen. Yes. In theory, they could just make the decision. We're going to print $28 trillion worth of of money and pay off all of our debts. Now, what that would end up doing is cause a huge amount of inflation because the money supply just went way up and it would devalue our currency. And there'd be a whole bunch of macroeconomic effects that would really affect the entire world. So the reason why we don't do that is because we want to keep our currency pegged to some some level and by printing 28 trillion dollars in a day it would blow that completely out of the water but at any point if we had to we could and you see that um like germany after world war one is a good example where they're hugely in debt um they had to pay at the treaty of versailles they had to repay all the all the allied nations for the damages that world war one caused mm-hmm. and so German government basically had to sign this thing. And so what they did is they just printed a crap load of money to pay off all their debts, which worked, but it also completely dumpstered their economy because like the price of a loaf of bread went from $10 to a million dollars in like a week. I don't think it was that extreme. No, like, but I imagine it was very, it was comparable. the, 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 the point is that it like, Prices went up so much that currency basically became worthless. People were taking like heaps of cash and burning them in their furnaces because it was cheaper to use the cash as fuel than it was to buy wood. That's wild. That's absolutely insane. Um, So that's why. And so to get to the point about where the debt ceiling fight is and where it's going, um, it's a really stupid fight because it's something, as I've already said, but right now the Republicans are going to say that they were going to refuse to vote to increase it. Okay. And the, and 
the, the their logic is the Democrats control. Well, you, um, where do you want to go with this? Oh no, I'm, I'm go ahead. I'm curious. Okay. I'm curious so their argument is that Democrats control both houses of Congress right now, and so the responsibility lies on the governing party to raise the debt ceiling. Um, and to me, that's just a super disingenuous and bad faith argument because while Trump was president. Democrats made it no secret that they didn't like him or anything he did. Yet, I believe it was three times the debt ceiling came due and the Democrats voted for it. The reason being is by not voting for it, they wouldn't be hurting the president or the Republicans. They'd really just be hurting the American people. And the the Republicans right now want to make the Democrats the ones voting on it because then they can play they could play campaign ads showing the Democrats voting to rate the debt ceiling and make it seem like the Democrats are just putting the nation further and further in debt when that isn't really what's happening. No, but there, there's also fewer issues when Trump was president because you, the Republicans were in two thirds power, right? The majority. No, they never had a supermajority. Well, they had Congress for the first two years, right? Yeah, but they didn't have like two thirds of Congress. Of Congress, yeah, but well, no, but they would need two thirds to overrule the president. As yeah, long the, as they have the, the majority. The, the Republicans never. And, yeah, the and, Republicans and the never had sixty six senators. They, I think, the most they had was like fifty four or fifty five. So I think, just just to clarify how it works, the president can't really make up the budget. He can make suggestions on it, but Congress is going to make a budget proposal. And send that to the president. The president has to okay it or veto it. The pre- if if the president chooses to veto it, if Congress has a supermajority, which is two thirds, they can override the president's veto. And I, I think so. That's for the budget proposal. And I think it's the same for the debt ceiling. I think it's the same for anything. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, but the, it's, ultimately, it's on Congress to come up with this. And right now, um. What's the split with, with Congress right now? Um, the Senate's 50-50, which means that the vice president gets to cast a vote um, to break any ties in the Senate. So it's effectively 51 to 50 in favor of the Democrats. Okay. Okay. Well, but the thing is, 51 out of, 51 out of 100 votes is not enough to to pass a bill right now because of the filibuster and so there's two aspects to the filibuster there's if anybody has seen the movie mr smith goes to washington which chances are in middle school you had to watch like towards the end of the movie was was mr smith that like he's i'm just a bill and he no 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 cartoon no no this was a live action movie she probably shot in like the 30s or 40s but it's a guy who's like newly elected senator and like there's some law or something. And like the climax of the movie is him giving a filibuster speech on the floor of the Senate where like by the end of it, he's so exhausted, like he can't even stand and he's like carried out by his colleagues and he successfully defeats the bill. And so the rule used to be, it will still is that like any Senator can, can filibuster a bill by basically just talking. And the rules are that, like, they basically can't leave. So while they're on the floor of the Senate, they have to be at their podium and talking the entire time. No bathroom breaks, no food breaks, no nothing. You need to go, like, um, 
South Carolina's senator has the record for the longest filibuster. And I think he actually brought like a bucket or like bottles or something so that he could pee while he was giving the filibuster. And in true uh, South yeah. Carolina style, he was filibustering against the civil rights bill. So, you know, good job, <laughs> South Carolina. Um, oh, that's, but- that's so funny because I was actually, I was shown today a, uh, it's like something you piss into while you're in the car. Cause uh, you know, I was talking about having to piss when you're on road trips. <laughs> oh yeah. You could have like basically like a little catheter kind of thing, but well, the, the whole idea is that it's like external it's external, but, but the whole idea is that like you're, you're standing on the floor talking for hours on end to delay the passage of a bill. And then Matt, can I just, I, I just to interrupt for anybody who's watching, who's not familiar with, uh, with what a bill is. I just want to share, uh, share this goes a, a little something like, uh, Are you playing schoolhouse rock. No, no, maybe. Oh, I thought we were going right into the song here. All right. Well, well, uh, let's see if I, Yeah. I'm sorry. I had to, I had to throw that out there. All right. So I I thought we were getting right to the, I thought it was going uh, right into the song. It's my bad. All right. So anyways, Phil, uh, filibustering in the traditional sense is standing up on the floor and talking endlessly to, to kill the passage of a piece of legislation that you don't like. What happens now is that you can have a member of the minority party, uh, to to end a filibuster you have to have 60 votes so you have to have 60 people say you know what end this we're moving on so now what what the minority party can do is just say that they're going to filibuster say we're going to filibuster this bill nobody actually has to get up and talk nobody has to go through the ordeal of actually doing it they just say that they're going to and that basically makes it so the threshold to pass anything in the senate is no longer 50-50, but 60-40. Yeah. Unless they get called out on it, then they actually have to do it. But that's... That, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, so in order for the the Democrats to, to pass <clears throat> the debt ceiling through a filibuster, they have to use what's called the reconciliation process, which means, which is really, it's just politically ugly. But they, it's a way for them to be able to pass a piece of legislation without having to do the 60 votes for filibustering because it has – it's something about how if it's a finance-related bill only or whatever, you can use a reconciliation process to do it through some kind of like rules-based thing where it can't be filibustered. But it's kind of like a loophole, and it doesn't make the party that's used in the rec- reconciliation process look good because they're kind of – sidestepping the way that legislation is supposed to be done and so what a lot of people are proposing is like this is the time for the democrats to just do away with the filibuster rule entirely because the filibusters prevented the democrats from passing a whole bunch of things that they would like to pass like voting rights reform and infrastructure bills and all sorts of stimulus spending and hi to maria salas as well we're we're doing a civics lesson today (laughs) 
Hi, Maria. So, so, but, but again, what we started off talking about with these kind of blanket rules, do you think it's a good idea to just blanket get rid of the filibuster? Because is that is that in the Constitution, the filibuster, or is that an amendment? Mm, I neither. think it's got to no. Well, I don't know where it comes from, but well, it, I'm sure it was put into place for a very good reason. So I'm curious why we would be trying to take it away. You the first it. set of filibuster occurred in 1837. Okay, uh, that's pretty early on. We've been doing it for nearly 200 years at this point. Yeah, but that's 50 years after. 184 years. Yeah, Constitution provides that a majority of each house constitutes a quorum to do business. Duh, duh, duh. So my guess is just some dude stood up in 1837 and just didn't shut up for like, like 10 hours. And he's like, this is a filibuster. My name's Phil, and I'm going to bust the shit out of this out of this bill. It's not happening. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's evolved over time. Um, yeah, well, I imagine it's evolved, like, the complexity of it, but just the general yeah. practice of one man standing and not stopping, not shutting up so that, that they can't do anything else on the floor. Yeah, it actually, the, the rules change happened in 1806, which is still 19 years after the founding of the country. So it's not in the Constitution. It's part of Senate rules. Uh, okay. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's see. What do I got here in terms of notes? Oh, so we were talking about World War II in Germany and what Germany had to do. But we were also talking about how our debt ratio, because we were in an immense amount of debt, went up during World War II. Mm-hmm. What do you what are your thoughts on what's going to happen with the money that's being spent in Afghanistan? Do you think we're going to see what do you what you, money that's being spent? You well, mean the money that we did spend? That was being spent, that is no longer being spent in Afghanistan. You think we're going to see, you know, the spending is going down on the military, I assume so. No, the military budget's still really high. We're just not blowing that money in Afghanistan anymore. So we're just so. What's the military going to do with these extra billions and billions and billions of dollars? Well, the same thing they do every year. Find oh. like it's there. There's so much waste in the military. You can ask anybody who's worked in the military, and they'll confirm it for you. Because let's say you're I don't know an officer, and you've got a division or whatever, and you've got a budget of a million dollars, and you get to December, and you only spent seven hundred thousand dollars. Well, you've got two choices. You can either Finish out the year at seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars of expenses, and, and then, then next year, year your budget's seven fifty. Yeah. Or you can find a way to spend that other two hundred and fifty thousand dollars that you keep your budget. Yeah, but that's but that's where that's where a good president, I feel like, would actually come into play and like get at a deeper level and, and really look at at you know or have somebody that's handling this and look at what the spending is. But if we were spending a couple hundred billion dollars in Afghanistan and now we're just not in Afghanistan, then presumably, you know, maybe we could reallocate some of those funds in, in the military to maybe some of the places in the military where money wasn't being spent, but we probably don't need to reallocate all of it. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. The, bil- the military budget for, for like every year, the military budget increases. And that's something that both parties do. Um, because I'll tell you one thing that's super politically unpopular is closing bases. Because if you represent an area that has a military base, 
and that base closes, that's a ton of jobs and a ton of economic output for that area that just goes away. So, and virtually every member of Congress knows that it's kind of a crapshoot as to what bases may be closed. So it's kind of an agreement among members that like, they know that do like closing military bases could impact them. So they, they all just kind of say, we're not going to do that because it is so unpopular because if you, if you have a military base closed in your district, you're pretty much guaranteed to lose your reelection the next year. Yeah, that would, that would, that would make complete sense. So talking about the military, we talked about world war two, um, so do you know prior to World War One that Congress had to vote every time they needed to borrow more money? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, so in 1917, rather than vote every time they wanted to issue, basically issue more bonds, um, they created a ceiling. And now every time we need to increase the debt ceiling, we have another vote. Well, that makes sense. When I look at this graph, I'm going to send the link so you can look at it as well, because there's a huge spike that corresponds to almost exactly 1917. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Let's see if I can throw that on the screen for anybody who's watching live. You won't be able to see it, but federal debt held in the public 1990 to 2050. And then obviously it's projected mm-hmm. on, the right, on the right side here where it's going to be going. Um, but yeah, World War One, you see a, a giant spike. And then, of course, uh, the Great Depression. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, our debt goes up vastly from there. So we had a depression, but um, then we had this great borrowing, great borrowing World War Two, And then it does recede quite a bit in the 60s. Starts going down the fifties, sixties. Fifties and sixties, bottoms out in like the mid seventies. Yeah. And then late seventies and early eighties where there's a whole bunch of economic problems and inflation. So it goes up again. And then the late nineties, the economy was really, really good and we were actually running surpluses, so we paid some of it off. Yep. We we put a good debt in it. you know, we brought it down, it looks like to maybe two thirds of what it was. Went up a little bit, and then uh it looks like it's really going up since Obama, and it's still going up, really. Yep. So uh, that's not great. Now, Obama had a lot to spend on because we did have a a lot of shit happen in 2008. 2008. Yeah. And, but we don't have the Great Depression that happened right after that, which, which is what we had in the well, 2008 was rivaling the Great Depression in terms of economic impact and job loss. Yes, but the the U.S. managed to cover a lot of expenses for our biggest institutions, and we didn't hit that much of a – well, we're looking at federal debt. So basically, the U.S. spent a lot of money in bailing out you know, these auto manufacturers and some of the banks and things like that. So Right, so basically – Instead of going through the Great Depression again with people starving in the streets, we just went into a whole bunch of debt to try and like stabilize the economy. Yeah, although the majority of the money was given out, but the majority of the money was received by very large institutions and not the everyman. Although I do think Obama sent a check to everybody at one point in time for like 1200 bucks or something. Do you remember that? No, 
No, there was there was an, a, a, like some additional tax credits or something, but it was relatively small. The the like twelve hundred dollar checks that Trump sent out in twenty twenty, and then the six hundred dollar checks. As far as I'm aware, that's the first time that the government sent direct payments to every citizen, like irrespective of like tax status. Yeah, which was interesting, but also that adds a lot to the federal debt as well. So I'm curious. I'm I'm curious the impact how we could measure that on the scale that you just sent. Um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting that we used to vote every time we want, needed to borrow more money, but we just got in the routine of borrowing money on, on the regular that it was so much voting. So we decided to vote on a limit of how much that we could basically borrow. Yeah. Um, not every time we wanted to borrow. But it's still stupid because we're talking about borrowing from ourselves. So at the end of the day, the debt ceiling is going to get raised. And it's really just a political play by the Republicans to make the Democrats vote on it with no Republicans. That way the Republicans can say that they oppose spending. When in reality they didn't, but that's not what people see. Yeah. Um, So... The majority of this spending. So let's let's break down what the U.S. is spending money on. As, as, as my understanding is, probably well, we have a we have a, a federal budget that we that we're trying to. I think we're trying to include that with the vote right now to increase the ceiling, and and that includes that's kind of like uh, Biden's spending plan, which includes. I had it up earlier, but it includes like infrastructure. It includes uh, charging stations. Yeah, but the, I rail. think, no, the debt ceiling is separate from like the infrastructure bill that the Democrats well, I, are proposing. I think they're trying to make it happen together. They might, but and I, and you, I think you don't that's have to have so much opposition right now from the Republicans because one, they no. don't want to raise the debt ceiling and two, they don't want to pass Biden's spending bill. Yeah, but it's two separate arguments. The Democrats are just thinking that, like, you know what, if we're going to have to ram this through, then we might as well ram everything through. So, but the the thing is, you could have the debt ceiling as a standalone bill, and it would still get zero Republican votes as it stands right now. Yeah, yeah, but I think I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that they're trying to pass them together is what I'm saying. Well, they might. And um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the case. And that's the additional reason why the Republicans don't want it. I think the Republicans would raise the debt ceiling if the spending bill wasn't part of it. But there would be a big issue then with that spending bill. So they're trying to incorporate that to raise the debt ceiling, incorporate that spending bill, even though raising the debt ceiling may not account for all of the additional spending. It'll get us through the short term. All right, so the numbers that I was able to pull up are from 2015. Take a guess what the three biggest things are that the government spends money on. Uh, military. And That's then, number three. Oh, fuck. Um, so 2015, that was $609 billion. Military, oh, fuck. Um, I thought that was going to be easy, easy number one. Uh, damn. Uh, is is infrastructure on the list in any way, shape, or form? Kind of. Okay. Um, but even if you take all of the things that you could classify as infrastructure, you're not getting, and add them all together, you're still not getting to one or two. 
Well, my guess is it's not like space exploration, national nope. parks, nope, um, robots, space robots. <laughs> science. If we go with science, that's thirty billion. That's one twentieth what the military is. Okay, but yeah, what are the what are the first two? Social security, unemployment, and labor. Thirty-three percent, one point two eight trillion. Wow, so the majority of our money is going out to Social Security being number one. And number two is Medicare and health. Dude, I had a client who put an application in today telling me that he made $80,000 and he had four recent paychecks. And I, lo I was looking for the paychecks on his bank statement. They were not there. But there was many instances every week of unemployment payments. So I, you know, I, I, I sent it to the landlord the landlord called me and he's like, I already have an application on this, but you're missing, um, tax returns. And apparently, so I called the guy back and he hadn't, he hadn't completed his tax returns for 2020 and, uh, he had not filed an extension. So he was, he was declined because of that, but, but ultimately the, I, I'm, I'm completely irrelevant, but I'm just throwing out there. This guy was on unemployment and then telling me he was also working. And it was just a sketchy you application. can't be both. Well, you could be both, but you, it would catch up with you at some point, and then you have to pay it back. Right. So, I don't know. It's frustrating for me to relay this from the landlord and from myself back to the agent, back to the client. And well, why didn't the agent push back on the client and be like, hey, this doesn't seem to make sense? Because as far as he was concerned, he was fighting for the client. He's like, no, that's what he told me. It's legit. I'm like, nah, no, 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 no. That your, your job is not to, to well, he buy, was, buy he, into he, everyone's bullshit. He was representing the client. I was representing the landlord in the transaction. But but still, it was uh, it was it was really fucked up and just uh, I don't know. And, uh, and now they're all mad at me. And I'm like, dude, you didn't fucking file your taxes. So, and the guy had a, the guy had a 1099 from 2020 for a quarter of what he told me his income was. Okay. So, where's the other three quarters? I don't know. And then, you know, what a 1099 is going to look like on a 1040 for anybody who's listening, who doesn't know the difference between those forms, the 1099, your employer either gives you a W2, which means they probably pay you a salary or wages and out of each check comes a tax deduction or they give you a 1099 and that means they pay you for whatever service you're providing. You're an independent contractor and the taxes do not come out of it, which nope. means if at the end of the year, say you get a 1099 for a hundred thousand, you may have additional expenses that are deducted from that hundred thousand. So if, if, uh, let's say I run a lawn care service and I make a hundred thousand dollars a year, but I had to fix my, uh, mowers and I had to buy more supplies and I spent $50,000 in supplies. I didn't make a hundred thousand dollars that year. I made $50,000 that year. So, and of that $50,000, you're going to have to pay not only the income tax on it. So probably 12 or 20% but you're also going to have to pay both your portion and the employer's portion of Medicare and Social Security, FICA, which is 15.3%. So if you've got a W-2, half of that, the 7.65% is paid by your employer and you don't, and it's not something that you ever even see. But 
if you're self-employed and getting a 1099, then you got to pay that 7.65%. So your, your effective tax rate as an independent contractor is much higher than if you're W-2'd. Yeah. So the point is a $100,000 versus $100,000 W-2 probably means that the person with the 1099 ultimately has less money in their pocket. Yeah. $100,000 W-2 represents much more cash to the employee than $100,000 1099. Which is why when you're applying for a, a loan or anything real estate wise, they want to see your 1040. They want to see your schedule C. That, well, if you have a 1099, but they want to see your 1040 because the W-2 or the 1099 are what your employers give you. The 1040 is a breakdown of your taxes and you submit that to the IRS. So the dub, the 10, 1040 is really kind of the clarifying picture of the breakdown. And then if you are 1099, the Schedule C is the portion that shows the breakdown of your expenses. So yep. it'll, it'll say you, you spent $20,000 on riding lawnmowers and grass seed. which And whatever else. Grass seed is, by the way, grass seed is expensive as fuck. I was, I was, in, Home oh, yeah. Depot, I was in Home Depot this morning. And I was like, oh, grassy, let me just grab some. I'm like, fuck, it's like $57. I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know what? It's the end of the year anyways. I put down grass seed so many times it's not growing. I'm just going to, I'll wait till next year. <laughs> so, um, all right, let's see. What else do I want to add here? Uh, that's the only government spends more than it takes in. Yo, let's pump next, um, Thursday's topic quick. Yeah, let's, uh, well, you, you pump that. I'm going to read through my notes. Okay, well, uh, for Thursday, we want to do sip talk advice column. So you got problems, we've got shitty answers. No, so first off, (laughs) we don't have to self-deprecate at all because I actually think we have really thoughtful answers and we may not know the full backstory. We may not know all the ins and outs of personal scenarios. I got one question today that that came through Craig, so I'll share more with you once once we wrap. But it was just like, how do I find someone to love or something like that? Or how do I, uh, I'm unhappy at my job. What do I do? We, you know, we need a little more information than that, but even you and I would give advice based off, based off that question. I think our advice is pretty thoughtful. Uh, and I, I actually think we give really good advice. So for next episode, episode 139, we're going to be giving you guys advice. So if you guys have questions, you can throw it in the comments here. Rosh, who is watching the comments, will feed it to us. And uh, feel free to DM me or email me. Uh, and we'll, we'll try to do some call-ins as well. Uh, so if you guys want to want to call in during the episode and, and, you know, ask a question, we will give you our best, most thoughtful advice. Uh, James will dig deep down into his, uh, his philosophy background. And yeah, uh, maybe, no real maybe, limits on topics. Maybe his accounting background, but yeah, I think it's I think it's more fun if we're challenged with the questions that come in. So again, do you like being guys... mentally challenged? <laughs> yes, I do. Um, <laughs> I was just going to do something real. I, I was going to say retarded. Fuck. <laughs> again, remember remember the other episode? I'm like, yeah, I'm trying not to use the word retarded. Like I just use it all the time because I'm retarded. But I just grew up being retarded using the word retarded. I'm trying to trying to be a little more politically correct moving forward all those years wearing a helmet yeah man uh that, you know my motorcycle helmet is so 
yeah, it's it's pretty snug. So if I wear it to to work on my ride in the morning, I have lines that just run across the top of my head, like racing stripes across the top of my head. A little embarrassing. All right, let's get back on topic real quick. Uh, a couple of things I want to add. Uh, what happens uh, if we hit the debt ceiling and we uh, we can't pay our bills, really? Well, we have a government shutdown. Yes. And that's where things get dicey because the What's government happened before the government can deal with that in uh, a few different ways. Uh, but ultimately what it sounds like is some bills aren't getting paid slash some bills aren't getting paid on time. A government shutdown ultimately costs everybody more money. Yes, it costs us more money because now our bill, say we owe uh, $100 million or $850 million, either way, inconceivable numbers for you and me to another country or to what, you know, to salaries for whatever federal workers, there's a good chance we're going to be paying interest on that. Now we, not, we yeah, not only going to be paying interest on that, but like there's a whole bunch of things. So, like national parks, for example, if like, all the park rangers and all the people that work in the national parks um, in, a, in a government shutdown, all that stops. They're, they're furloughed. So I'm they're sure, still going I'm to sure be paid, what, I'm sure but what, they're not working. So you've got... People, hang on, hear me out. I'm, I'm sure when people are thinking of federal spending, the first thing they think of is, is national parks. The, they aren't, but this is no, an, it's a an good easy example. example. It's, it's a good example. Is, I'm just, you've I'm got just... nobody working in these parks. So all the daily things they do to keep the parks up maintenance and everything else that stops and so like if you have stuff can you talk with her if you if you don't maintain things or whatever then eventually you're going to have to come back and you're going to have more work to do because you weren't maintaining so now you're going to have repairs that you wouldn't have otherwise had and this applies in more than just that field but that's just well, an easy example I, and i'll relate the national park back to the everyman imagine you mow your lawn every two weeks and you've budgeted for gasoline to mow your lawn every two weeks and now a month and a half goes by and you haven't mowed your lawn it's much more difficult to mow and you're probably going to have to mow it twice and then maybe rake it as well yeah which which is ultimately costing you more time and more money um, so yeah, and the number of agencies that it affects is huge, and it's just it's stupid all around. Everything well, got, about well, it, a government your, shutdown is stupid, you and your, also the stock market hates it. You got your national parks, you got your social security, you got your military spending. Um, now some some of those people will, like there are some parts that will continue to work, like TSA or whatever, because the airports need to stay open for a variety of reasons. So TSA workers will still be working. They just won't be paid until whenever the shutdown ends. But you might not have as many people working. So things will slow down and become more inefficient than they already are. Well, so the government can stop paying things altogether or pay things late, or they can choose to pay things first in, first out or they can prioritize payments. I think most likely they would prioritize payments first and then kind of create a first in, first out. After. Well, it would be more like, no, if, if we hit the debt ceiling, they can't prioritize payments because they don't have any money to spend. So what they would have to do is everything would be deferred. 
all payments would be, well, whenever this shutdown ends, we'll pay you. Well, and that's, you know, a lot of federal employees, the, the government pays for a lot of things, not just employees, but just kind of all around the US and all around the world that we're paying for. So those things in certain ways can just completely stop functioning. Yep. And uh, there's no rules written in the Constitution or amendments. It's just kind of as of the last time it happened, that may have set somewhat of a precedent. But it's... I mean, the only thing that is in the Constitution is that it is the sole duty or sole power and duty of Congress to to raise and spend money. So no other branch of the government, the executive branch or the judicial branch, they don't get to decide how to spend money. They don't get to decide how to tax people. That's Congress alone. Exactly. So let me uh, let me just read this quick TikTok comment. Uh, it says there's a lot of spending on high technology and research for new products that we might use in the future. And yeah, that's that's true. But that would probably be one of the first things that would be cut is is research. Well, yeah, and you can look at um, between between NASA and the military, there's a lot of products out there right now that wouldn't exist. But for those two things, um, the easiest example is GPS. So Ooh, Jeeps man. used to be a military technology only. And at some point, they decided that the benefits of having of letting everybody access Jeeps would be great because now everybody has the capability of using maps and all these other things that Jeeps enables. So like that's something that it costs somewhere between like one and two billion dollars a year to maintain the like satellite array of Jeeps. But that that was originally a military technology that became public. Yeah. So Rosh has a good question. He said, could a government shutdown be an excuse for another lockdown? That's a good question, but I think a fairly simple answer. And I think the answer is no, that we should, because I just don't think shutting down does that much good for government spending. It does a little good for government spending, but also we have to manage the shutdown and enforce the shutdown and people will still get sick. Well, maybe they won't go to national parks, but because I remember the, the, in the beginning, New York City like locked off the parks, which didn't make any sense whatsoever, because that was where people could go and spread out and get some sun. Government shutdown has absolutely nothing to do with like a coronavirus lockdown. Well, like, no, it has nothing to do with a lockdown. But, you know, ultimately, I think really I said it was a good question, but a more simple answer, because we're just not going to save any money by keeping people in. I can tell you right now that the, the lockdown that we did in like March and April of 2020, that's not going to happen again. No, I don't. The think... probability of that happening is zero. I don't. I don't think it really did anything at all. And the fact that they called for a two-week shutdown, which turned into a 90-day uh, shutdown, or maybe, I think it was. I think it was. I actually think months. it did accomplish something. The problem was in how people behaved. Well, people didn't really stick to that two week shutdown and that, right. you know, and that was the issue. So, but 
but it did have an effect even even if like it wasn't perfectly implemented you could see that it had an effect and like by mid to late may things were starting to get under control again and that's when a whole bunch of states started opening up pre like in my argument prematurely and that's why you saw in the states that opened up early spikes in cases and this is back to like last summer but you you could you could really draw a direct line between the states that locked down hard versus the states that opened out up early and you could see which states did better in terms of cases per capita it wasn't it wasn't a hard trend to discern well uh have they uh they, have we, do we have a death per capita? And I, so, are we are we really measuring the death rate yet on this? And are we they, matching been, it by age? Yeah, they've been measuring that since the beginning. Well, I, I, my question was meant to be a bit more specific, but I actually just clocked the timer as I as I asked the question and and checking out on it. So, tune back in for the advice episode next episode. We'll see you guys on Thursday, two days from now. Episode 139. See you then, James. Thanks for joining. Yeah, give Rosh, us all your problems. Rosh, thank you for being here. See you guys next time. All right. Thank you for joining this episode of Sip Talk. Uh, it was a pleasure having you. I really enjoyed the time we spent together. And uh, if you have not already, please subscribe, like, share, comment. Anything you do, I will repeat, anything you do helps us out. We are trying to grow this podcast. We have fun doing it. We enjoy your interaction. And, uh, Thank you again. See you guys next time. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.